everybody, and welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint, and we begin with the House passing a new gun control bill, H.R. 8. And my wife sent me something on Instagram, three little threads. The House just passed the bill, brand new gun control bill. It's all over, was the second thread. And without the Second Amendment, we have no first. And she's right. The Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, guarantees all the other rights we have. And I'll tell you what I think the end game is here with these Democrats, progressives, and a few Republicans in Congress. They know that it's easy to, easier to communize a nation if you disarm it first. Lenin did it. Stalin did it. Hitler did it. Mao Zedong did it. All communists do it. They're not going to do it here, though. This is, this is America. This is not Australia. This is not England. Americans are not going to sit by and let the government come in and melt down their firearms, and they're not going to sit by and helplessly watch like they did in Australia a few years ago. That's not happening. I don't know how they think they're going to enforce these bills if they ever become law. Again, this passed in the House. It has to pass in the Senate, which it might do that. It might pass in the Senate. But there are some Democrats in southern states who might not want to go along with it. So this is all they, the Democrats say to prevent mass killings. I mean, why are we doing this? They're calling it the Bipartisan Background Checks Act of 2021. It passed 227 to 203 in the House. Eight Republican communists voted along with the Democrats. One Democrat voted against it. I don't know who the Democrat is in the House. I it could, you know, it doesn't matter. Five Republicans co-sponsored the bill. I would target those Republicans for defeat if I were. I don't know who's running the Republican Party. Donald Trump or the, the big wigs in the Republican Party need to go after those five Republicans. But here's where it gets, a, it's a little different than other, you know, expanding back bills. This one would require background checks for private sales. As I was talking to my buddy Ken yesterday about, if I want to sell my shotgun to my brother, I have to notify the government. Now, we already have to do that in New York State, supposedly under the SAFE Act. But I'm not going to abide by that. I don't know about you. I'm not telling anybody to break the law. I'm just engaging in a little bit of civil disobedience. These laws are too intrusive. There was another measure passed in the House recently, H.R. 1440, which allows for the FBI to indefinitely delay background checks. So Chuck Schumer said this week in a news conference, he said, no more hopes and prayers, thoughts and prayer. A vote is what we need. I agree. Not just on this bill. I'd, I'd bring it up. I'd bring a bill up before the House and the Senate and try to get every one of these lawmakers, Democrat, Republican, and say, look, do you support an American's right to own a firearm? Our Second Amendment freedoms are guaranteed by the Constitution. Do you support law-abiding citizens the right to own a firearm? And if they say no, then we know where they stand on this issue. They're looking to disarm the population easier. That That's... I think is what the end game is here. The idea that this is going to make us somehow safer is laughable. Criminals looking to get their hands on firearms to use in crimes are not going to submit to an instant background check. They just don't do it. That's why they're criminals. They, they don't obey the law. Only law-abiding citizens obey laws, because we love to follow the law here in America. I'm a law-abiding citizen. I know you abide by the law as well. That's how we keep society together and functioning. But this is just a backdoor way of setting up a national registry of firearms. And this is, I, I don't know if it's going to go along, if the, uh, the Republicans in the Senate will 
sign on to this. It's 50-50. If every Republican votes against it and every Democrat votes for it, then Kamala Harris will break the tie and Biden will sign it. He won't know what he's signing, but, you know, and I've said to people, uh, friends of mine in Albany, I, again, I work at the uh, New York State Assembly Republican Conference, you can pass all these gun bills you want. You can pass them all and sign them into law. Eventually, you will have to enforce these laws. And I just can't picture who's going to enforce these laws. State police, county sheriff's deputies, the National Guard, they're going to come to your house and confiscate firearms. Eventually, that's where this is going, I think. And this is a lot of this. The Democrats are saying we don't want any more Sandy Hooks, but that was in 2012. 20 kids were kid, I think, uh, killed. Six adults or school teachers were killed. But there, how many Sandy Hooks have there been since then? There have been mass shootings, and I guess a mass shooting is is described as any anybody uh, any more than four deaths in a single shooting. That's a mass shooting, but it's not a problem. They just want to create an, uh, a, a solution to a problem that really doesn't exist. There will be a problem if this becomes law, in my view. All right, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on the gun bills because, again, uh, they're sticky and a lot has to happen before that they become law. And I mean, you know, I, I don't trust Biden. This is why elections uh, have consequences. And, you know, Biden now gets to uh, sign bills like these into law if, if the uh, Senate goes along with it. Governor Cuomo, for the 15th time, I think, in the last, uh, you know, five days, he's not stepping down. We know he's not stepping down. Another woman, I guess, has come forward that makes, I think, six. I'm losing count. Six women have come forward and say have said that he has, was sexually inappropriate with them or made inappropriate comments. And Cuomo, I heard a little bit of a soundbite this morning from him. He said that, and I'm paraphrasing because I didn't write it down, politicians who don't know the facts and make judgments are somehow dangerous. I don't know if he used the word dangerous, but that was the gist of what he was saying. All these politicians are now piling on. Uh, they, they know there's blood in the water. He's, he's in some trouble. Politically, he's now uh, a liability. A year ago, he was an asset. They were talking about him, the Democrats, the big wigs in the party, as being possibly a presidential material or certainly vice presidential material for Joe Biden. But now look at he's expendable. Gavin Newsom out in California, also expendable. I think because they, and I mentioned this from, uh, well, I think the last show, Devin Nunes, congressman out in California, said that they are competition for Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris wants to be president. No big secret there. In 2024 or probably before that, the way Biden looks. And Cuomo is certainly competition. So they need to remove him. But I get a kick out of Cuomo. Back to his comment, politicians who don't know the facts make judgments or somehow you know, doing their uh, constituents a, a disservice. Remember the comment he made in 2013 about extreme conservatives? I'd like to do an imitation of Cuomo, but I, I need to practice it a little bit. He said, extreme conservatives, are those, you know, the anti-abortion people? Pro-gun people? That, those are the people, that's, that's me. That's most of you, I'm sure. You believe, and we're not anti-abortion, we are pro-life. We believe in the sanctity of unborn human life. I'm pro-life. I'm pro-Second Amendment. I guess I'm an extreme conservative. And the governor said then in 2013 that those people who think like us are not welcome here in the state of New York. Remember that comment eight years ago? Didn't sound like he knew the facts then. And he was making a judgment based on certain uh, portion of the population's political views. But anyway, enough on Cuomo. He's not going anywhere. 
One way or the other, he's going. I mean, I don't think he's going to run if he does survive this term here. Next year, I don't think he's going to seek a fourth term. Enough on that. Biden addressed the nation the other night. Did you see his 20-minute address? It was, you know, you could laugh at it, but it's more, it's more sad than anything. About how COVID has claimed some 500,000 lives. I mean, it has. It's, it's a tragic thing. A lot of people maybe listening to this program know of somebody or maybe had somebody in your family or extended family who succumbed to the virus. More people have died from COVID than all the uh, boys who died in World Wars One and Two in Vietnam. And, but he ends up by saying, you need to wear your masks. He takes out his black mask and holds it up. Wear your mask and save lives. Wash your hands. I'm thinking, do we need the president of the United States to tell us to wash our hands? Has it come to that? He's treating us like we're all in third grade. I know enough to wash my hands or to keep a safe distance. And I'll wear my mask if I deem it appropriate. It should be a personal decision. But all these mask mandates in the blue states are really not, they haven't made much of a difference. Depends on what you read. The efficacy of, of mask wearing is, uh, that's something up for debate. It really hasn't made much of a difference in the blue states. This is closed. Businesses that these blue state governors deem uh, non-essential. If you own a business, you know it's essential, as I've said before. So Biden addressed the nation, and it was, uh, I'm not going to go into the particulars. He talked about the, the vaccine, and I'm thinking as he's talking about the COVID vaccine, we ought to thank President Trump, because without him, and he, he tweeted something out to that effect. He said, I hope everyone remembers when they're getting the COVID-19, often retur- referred to as the China virus or the Wuhan flu or the Kung flu or, you know, the rest of it. He said that I, if I wasn't president, you wouldn't be getting that beautiful shot for five years at best and probably wouldn't be getting it at all. I hope everyone remembers. It was a single sentence statement. And it bared his logo, the office of the former president, maybe future president one day, I hope, in 2024. But the president, uh, the ex-president tweeted this out after the uh, current president announced his administration plan to order another 100 million doses of Johnson & Johnson's vaccine to further push the nation's efforts to get shots into Americans' arms. And I guess it's a good thing if you're, uh, you know, if you need to take the vaccine. laws got the vaccine yesterday and they're still kicking. They're in their 70s. They have comorbidities, both of them. I do. I'm, I'm diabetic. My wife does. She's asthmatic. And I, but I haven't decided if I'm going to get the vaccine. The Johnson & Johnson is attractive for, for the fact that it's it's a one-shot, but it contains, as I've mentioned, I think, uh, the U.S. Catholic Con- Conference of Bishops is urging Catholics not to get the shot because it contains the, the stem cells of aborted babies, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So, I, you know, it's a personal decision. If you feel that you need to get the vaccine, as as uh, Fauci and the rest of these so-called experts are telling us, get the whatever's available to you, get it. And again, that's a personal decision. I'm not going to say to get it or not to get it. I haven't gotten it yet. Will I get it? I, you know, it's. I guess it guards you for a few months. I'm not going to be getting these shots every four months, especially the ones where you get two shots. It's the second shots that the doozy. With the Pfizer and the Moderna shots, I mean, they're effective, 80, upper 80s, mid 90s percent effective against this, this virus. I don't even know what strain of the virus it's effective against. But, you know, again, a personal decision. There was a poll recently by Rasmussen, and uh, that it asked Americans if Joe Biden is physically or mentally fit for the job. <laughs> Jeez. 
And the findings were alarming to me. I mean, he couldn't remember the name of his defense secretary. Even I know that, Lloyd Austin. But I'm, I'm paid to know that because that's what I do. I, learn, I read about these things so you folks don't have to. Lloyd Austin is our Secretary of Defense. Now, I'm not 78 years old. I don't have dementia. We don't know that Joe Biden does, but I suspect he's in some form of cognitive decline. But the fact that 50% in this poll, I'm getting sidetracked here, 50% believe that he is not mentally fit, physically or mentally fit for the job. That means 50% do believe he's mentally fit. I would submit to you that those 50% of Americans are not fit to vote if they think he, Biden, is mentally fit. Unbelievable. It was a two-question survey, and it asked, how concerned are you that President Biden has not held a press conference? Now, he's addressed the nation. He did so this week. But a, a real press conference, like Trump used to do almost every day. He was on the White House lawn during the good weather, fielding all kinds of questions. He didn't duck anything. So one question again, how concerned are you that Biden has not held a press conference? How confident are you that Joe Biden is physically and mentally up to the job of being president? So the two, I think the two are related, obviously, the two questions. And the responses were two, 50% of likely voters lacked confidence in his fitness for the office. 52% of likely voters were concerned he has yet to hold a press conference. And 32% are very concerned. Just 46% were not concerned about the lack of a press conference, including 24% not very concerned and 22% not at all concerned. Well, those are the people who voted for him, those, that 46%. I mean, he stumbled all over the place. You can go on YouTube and get his 17 minutes of his greatest hits, you know, and it's, it's, it, it, yeah, it's funny. You laugh at it, then it's, it's like you're thinking, this guy's got his finger on the nuclear button. He's got the nuclear codes. He's got the nuclear football. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe Kamala Harris is the one where maybe she's carrying it around. I'm not sure. Anyway, that's Biden. Gun control. Cuomo. Let's see. What, what happened? We heal the gun, uh, the gun bills. I want to finish off the show today. Oh, uh, you know, let me just jump back here and talk about the vaccine. I was reading this earlier this week. Uh, the CDC put out something Monday. Fully vaccinated Americans can gather with other vaccinated people indoors without wearing a mask or social distancing. This is the new guidance. The recommendations also say vaccinated people can come together in the same way with people considered at low risk for severe disease. In other words, anybody under 60. And then uh, if you're with grandparents, vaccinated grandparents visiting healthy children and grandchildren, that's why they should reopen the schools. Children, school children are of at no risk, virtually no risk. Yes, they can bring it home to their parents. In my kid's case, you know, I'm over 60. Uh, I have comorbidities. My, my wife does as well. But I mean, let's face it, we're at low risk it, where I live, very rural area. Open up the schools. But yeah, I'm thinking to myself as I'm reading this, and we, we've been meeting anyway, my, my uh, in-laws, we've been for Christmas. I mean, we haven't gone crazy. I haven't seen my brothers and sisters, some of them in over a year. But how do you know if other people are fully vaccinated? Say you're in a room with people you suspect are fully vaccinated. And they've, they've, they've told you, yes, I, I got the vaccine. But how do you know? You really don't know. Would you have to be stamped or have some other proof that you're fully vaccinated? I, I don't know. And some of these mask Nazis, I'm telling you, I've seen some of these people out in Aldi's and uh, when you're shopping. I mean, they don't. you come anywhere even within 10 feet of them and they'll tell you, don't back off. It's like, take, take it easy, lady. You know, you're, you're, you're going to be fine. 
you know, I'm not going to, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be wearing masks. It's a little charade we have to go through when you go in someplace, Dunkin' Donuts. Like I went in yesterday, had to wear the mask and you got to, they can't, you can't sit down and have your coffee or your bagel inside Dunkin' Donuts. You have to be outside. And, and a lot of people, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist on this, but a lot of people, they, they call it a pandemic, and they think this is, but it hasn't really panned out the way the globalists have, have planned, has it? Anyway, that's a whole show in and of itself. Now, on, a, on a positive note here, because uh, that's what we like to do, and uh, there's a, there was something my wife saw this morning uh, on the birthdays of famous talk show, or uh, famous, uh, not talk show host, uh, game show hosts. So I was struck by some of these game show hosts that are uh, really long in the tooth. And I think you know who the, these people are. But I'll go through uh, some of the list. I mean, we know Alex Trebek. We lost him recently. Howie Mandel, 65. Stand, it was a stand-up comic. That's how he got started. hes uh, I don't know what he's hosting now, but he's all over the place. Vanna White. I thought Vanna White was older. My wife was quizzing me on how close I could get to guessing these ages. But Vanna White is 64, still you know, turning letters on... Uh, Wheel of Fortune with Pat Sajak, who is 74 years old. Uh, that's about right. I guess 77. Drew Carey, about my age. He's 62. Bob Barker. How old do you think Bob Barker is? I knew he, I know he's in his 90s. I guess 91 or 92. He's 97. God bless him. He's a mean old coot, too. You know, he's a real animal rights activist. He's, but he's really, uh, he's curmudgeonly. I saw him recently. Well, maybe five years ago. Johnny Gilbert. Nobody knows who Johnny Gilbert is. And I c cannot remember the show he hosted. I knew he was in his 90s. I thought he was long dead. Johnny Gilbert is 96. I don't know if he knows it or not, but he's 96 years old. Let's see. Uh, I don't know these people, and they don't know me. Gene Rayburn, he hosted a Match Game, I think it was, many years ago. He died uh, 22 years ago. Uh, Monty Hall died three years ago. He was... Uh, well, what show was he? I'll take what's behind the box. I can't think of the name of the game show. Anyway, uh, Boxer Curtain. Uh, Monty Hall no longer with us. Let's see here. Tom Kennedy. He Oh, he died. He died last year. Alan Ludden died 1981. He hosted Password. I never missed Password when I was a kid. Uh, he was married to Betty White. Betty White is still alive. She's closing in on 100. Uh, ben Stein is 76. Win Ben Stein's money. Great guy. Uh, Chuck Woolery. Chuck Woolery's almost 80. But he looks he looks pretty good. I don't know how recent a, a photo this is, but Chuck Woolery is 79. Bob Eubank game from the 70s. Looking good at 83. John Davidson hosted uh let's see, it was Hollywood Squares, I think he hosted for a for a time. 79. The original host of Hollywood Squares, Peter Marshall, is oh it, it just went away here. He's in his 90s. Well, next time we do a show, I'll mention it. I think he's 91 or something. Anyway, we've, we've way over time here. we got to go. Before I do, let me tell you, if you're thinking of doing a, a podcast, and if you've been listening to this for the last 18 or 20 minutes, however long it's been, you realize it's easy. If I can do it, you can do it. Maybe you've been thinking about it, but just haven't pulled the trigger. Well, now's the time to do it. Buzzsprout is what I use, and it's hands down the best way, easiest way, to launch a podcast. Not only that, but Buzzsprout will get your show listed in every major podcast platform. You'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, 
tools to promote your episodes, and a lot more. So why not join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout and get your message out to the world? All you have to do is follow the link in the show notes and get started today. Plus, if you sign up for a paid plan, they will give you a $20 Amazon gift card, Buzzsprout. Again, follow the link in the show notes so that Buzzsprout knows that I, the patriotic American citizen, Pac-Man, sent you Buzzsprout, the easiest and best way to launch a podcast. And speaking of podcasts, we have so many fine podcasts on our website. And you go to the, uh, the website, it is the bmgnetwork.com and you'll click there and you can find the links you'll you can uh, find Kristen Coons with set apart uh, lovely host she is uh, she's excellent Ken and Mike with the Ken and Mike show Ken Burns and his sidekick Mike they do a fine show they do a, a Facebook live show which I was on last week I don't know I, th- I forget what day of the week they do the Ken and Mike show that's up there Ken has his own show the Ken Burns show and Mike has his own show Mike'd up. Again, go to the bmgnetwork.com and you can go to the daily perusal if you want to read some columns. We have a few columns up there for you. I try to do one or two a week on some of the issues I think that are, are pressing. But we want to inform you, uh, enlighten you, and uh, hopefully entertain you with some really good programming. Tell your friends too, the bmgnetwork.com. And that's it for this edition of the Patriotic American Citizen, Pac-Man. If you want to get in touch with me directly, you can go to Pac-Man at the bmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. And uh, if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more information about the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint. <laughs>